On February 23rd, Casey Charf, a teenager from Nebraska, was driving her car when she swerved to miss a skunk. Her vehicle rolled down an embankment and left her with a broken neck and back. Sometimes blessings from God don't always come wrapped in nice, shiny boxes with a nice bowl on it. But if it weren't for that horrific crash, the doctors may have never discovered the tumor on her kidney. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? Sometimes blessings come in mysterious ways. Today, Charles Tapp helps you recognize the blessings God may be giving you right now before you miss out on them. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's Charles Tapp with his message, A Blessing in Disguise. One of my hobbies, and I have many, and let me just pause and say this. I believe all of us should have at least one hobby. Because you need a hobby to kind of get you away from the busyness and the craziness of this thing that we call life. And I'm sure many of you by now are familiar with some of the hobbies that I have. And before you say, Pastor, I know that one of your hobbies is tennis. Let me just stop you dead in your tracks. Tennis is not a hobby to me. Tennis is serious business to me. I don't just play with any kind of racket. I play with a good racket. I don't play with balls that are a week old. I play with brand new balls. That's not a hobby with me. Stamp collecting, that's a hobby. Tennis is real business because when I go out on the tennis court, I have a take no prisoner attitude. I don't care if you're my mother or my brother. I don't care if you're five or 50. I'm going to do my best to do my best. So, so tennis is not a hobby. Stamp collecting, that's a hobby. Gardening, that's one of my hobbies. But one of my hobbies that I, I love, that I've had over the past several years, is I love to collect idiomatic expressions. Now, I'm not saying that when I, when I, whenever I find them in a book or a magazine that I take scissors and, and just cut them out and put them in a jar, but I, but I have a mental place. Whenever I find an idiomatic expression that catches my eye, I just put it right here. I know I'm going to need it sometime down the road. And idiomatic expressions are interesting because you, you can never derive the meaning of the expression by taking the meaning of each of the words that are in that particular idiomatic expression. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Someone may say to you, well, he was pulling my leg, John. Doesn't mean that he was physically pulling your leg, but what he's saying is that I was fooling you, I was, I was tricking you. Or someone else may say, you know, I took him to the cleaners, man. Doesn't mean that you took him by the hand and physically took him to the cleaners. It simply means that you took him for everything that he had, probably his money and his pants and his shoes. It has been estimated that there are probably over 25,000 idiomatic expressions in our English language alone. And I'm sure that most of you are probably familiar with the one that I've chosen for our message today. As I've titled it, A Blessing in disguise. And its meaning is pretty simple because it refers to, to something that happens on the surface that appears to be negative. It, it appears to be 
bad, but down the road later, it reveals itself as being something that was good, something that was beneficial. In a sense, it means that the blessing has been disguised or that the blessing has been hidden by the initial impact of that situation. There's a story that I came across when I was a teenager, the story of a a Chinese farmer. Some of you may be familiar with this story where he only had one horse. And one day his horse ran away. His neighbor, when he heard, out, heard what happened, he said, man, that's, that's terrible news. And the farmer said to his neighbor, what makes you think that's a bad thing? A few weeks down the road, the horse came back, followed by several other wild horses. The neighbor said, man, that's great. The farmer said, what makes you think that's a good thing? One day, his son, the farmer's son, was riding one of these wild horses, and it threw him, and he fell and broke his leg. The neighbor said, that's a terrible thing. The farmer said, what makes you think that's a bad thing? Until one day in that region, war broke out, and all the able-bodied men had to enlist in the military except the son who fell off the wild horse that came in as a result of the first and only horse that that man lost. Many times in life things happen and they may appear to be bad on the surface, but what we're going to show you in today's word is simply this. Everything that you may think is bad, especially as it relates in the life of the child of God, as you examine it closely, as you examine it through spiritual discernment, may not really be a bad thing at all. Could it be many times we don't see things as being blessings from God because we're looking in the wrong places? If we looked at them closely, maybe we could discern that maybe God really doesn't camouflage blessings at all, but maybe we're just not seeing them the way God desires us to see them. You know, I believe that one of the reasons why many Christians or those who profess to be Christians miss out on benefiting from from many of the blessings that God desires for his people to have is because we really don't have a good understanding of the nature of what a blessing from God is really all about. And I'm of the opinion that most of our misunderstanding can be credited to the influences of a theology that is taking the Christian world by storm that focuses more on God being a dispenser of material services and goods instead of being a God who is willing to enrich the lives of his people. But at the heart of this prosperity message, dear friends, is a movement that began in the late 19th century known in many circles today simply as the New Thought philosophy. It's not a church It's not a denomination, but this philosophy eventually creeped into the mainline Christianity and it has distorted the biblical doctrine of who God is and turning him from this 
personal loving creator into this impersonal force that you and I can control whenever we choose to. According to the New Thought philosophy, the key to one's success in life is simply to have right thoughts because they believe that our thoughts dictate the outcome of one's situation. So if you're sick and you're part of this prosperity or this, this New Thought philosophy, then the reason why you are sick is because you have negative thoughts that you propel into the universe and you reap sickness. They will tell you if you're broke, and you're experiencing poverty, it's because your thoughts brought that into reality. It's the same thing that you've heard in recent years that many have referred to as the law of attraction. And they have taken this pagan idea and they have coupled it with Christianity. And what has come out of that is this baby called prosperity theology. And because of man's already tainted, because of man's already flawed nature, then the idea of what a blessing really is from God is also tainted. It is also corrupted as well. And this never became more evident to me than several years ago when a particular author took a a prayer from the Old Testament and made it a commercial success. Turn with me to the book of First Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and verse 10. Now, Jabez, you're familiar with this, I'm sure, was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in what? Pain. In other words, because she bore him in pain, she gave him that name Jabez, which meant pain. Can you imagine growing up as a child, always hearing, well, here comes pain, well, here comes pain. Well, we do the same kind of thing. Here comes trouble. Here comes trouble. He says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Here's the part that the prosperity gospel proponents love. And enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. In other words, my name, I don't want my name to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it ends by saying, so God granted him what he requested. A humble prayer that was originally prayed by a humble man of God quickly became the mantra of the prosperity gospel. All you have to do is pray the prayer of your best. And these proponents will tell you that God, listen, not that God might, that somehow God is now obligated to do what you ask. See, this whole new thought philosophy takes God from being the creator of the universe to becoming a mere slave, a mere pawn in our hands. And most of what they ask from God is simply this, bless me, Lord, and bless me in But what we fail to realize is whatever blessings come from God and whatever form they may come in, they come for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is to spiritually bless that individual and those that may be part of their fold. In other words, we miss out on seeing what a blessing is because many times You and I will ask God for a blessing 
And the thing we are asking, please don't miss this point. And the thing we are asking for, we already have. Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. I want to look at verses 22 to verse 26. And he arose that night and took two of his wives, talking about Jacob here. This is the story of Jacob and Esau. And took two of his wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons. He had a big family, didn't he? And crossed over the fort of Japheth. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25 to verse 26. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, talking about Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he's talking about wrestling here. This was the real deal, wrestling. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob now said, I will not let you go unless you do what? Bless me. Please do not miss this. If you're not familiar with this story, let me just give you quickly the Reader's Digest condensed version of the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob, being the youngest son of Isaac, stole Esau's birthright, which was supposed to go to the oldest, and that was Esau. Esau, upon finding out what had happened, came after Jacob, and Jacob had to run away as a fugitive to save his very life. Fast forward some 20 years down the road, God comes to Jacob and said, listen, it's time for you to go back home. But Jacob is saying to God, uh, uh, God uh, you may have forgotten, uh, Esau is back home. Sometimes God asks us to return to a place that we don't want to go because we see that place as representing pain. But sometimes God says, go back to it and deal with it. Somebody knows what I'm talking about this morning. He was so afraid of going back because he feared for his life. He got some of his servants together and said, listen, go down and talk to Esau and tell Esau, remind him, this is your brother, man. Have mercy on this guy. But when they came back, he asked, what response did he give? And they said, none other than he's coming. He's on his way with 400 of his men. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, A Blessing in Disguise. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And today, Charles Tapp explains that blessings don't always come the way we expect and helps you recognize them in your life with his message, A Blessing in Disguise. Sometimes God asks us to return to a place that we don't want to go because we see that place as representing pain. But sometimes God says, go back to it and deal with it. Somebody knows what I'm talking about this morning. 
He was so afraid of going back because he feared for his life. He got some of his servants together and said, listen, go down and talk to Esau and tell Esau, remind him, this is your brother, man. Have mercy on this guy. But when they came back, he asked, what response did he give? And they said, none other than he's coming. He's on his way with 400 of his men. And the Bible says that Jacob spent all night in prayer. Soldiers coming after you. That'll make you spend all night in prayer. We won't have to send out announcements and emails for an all night prayer meeting then. Where is the prayer meeting? And he prayed, God will soften Esau's heart. And it was in the midst of this prayer that this person came and started wrestling with Jacob. And the Bible says they wrestled and they wrestled up until the daybreak. And the struggle was so intense that this person later, we knew it was an angel, touched his hip and threw it out of joint. Don't miss this. And at that moment, Jacob now says to this person, because he recognized that this is not just any other human. This has to be an angel. He says, listen, I humble myself before you now. Please bless me. Because I don't want to let you go now that I realize what I've got in my hands. I don't want to let you go. But here's the point I want to make. He was asking this angel to bless him, but he was already given the blessing. Because the blessing was when that angel touched his hip and knocked it out of socket. Pastor, how can something so painful be a blessing? Well, I'll tell you for two reasons. One, it brought Jacob to a point of humility. And let me just share this with you. Now, I learned this when I was in college. If you're not willing to humble yourself, God will. That's why the Bible gives us the counsel, humble yourselves before the Lord. Why? Because if God humbles you, if God humbles me, we, not, we, we may not recover from the humbling process. See, if God has to humble you, you may have to walk around for the rest of your life with a limp. If God humbles you. So God says, humble yourselves. So this was a good thing because it brought him to a point of humility. But it was also a good thing, even though the Bible doesn't really give us this information. I, I, I really believe this, this happened as far as scripture is concerned. It says that when Esau and his 400 men came, and I'll tell you why I believe this happened, because scripture says when Esau saw Jacob, meaning he didn't just glimpse Jacob, he saw the condition Jacob was in. And at that moment, the Bible says that Esau ran over to Jacob and hugged him and kissed him. In other words, that blessing probably saved his life. You see, Esau came to do business. But when he saw the pain that his brother was in, I believe it broke his heart. Sometimes blessings from God don't always come wrapped in nice shiny boxes with a nice bowl on it. But sometimes God's blessings come in the form of adversity. Sometimes they come in the form of pain. Sometimes they come in the form of disappointment. Sometimes they come in the form of heartache. But whenever God's blessings come, they come to bring us into communion with him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? He said, listen, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It humbled him. Some of the greatest blessings 
you and I will never experience because we don't understand that they're blessings. Because they come in the form of worry, they come in the form of anxiety, they may come in the form of pain, heartache, and discomfort. Now I understand what James meant. James chapter 1, you know it. Count it all what? Joy. When you're faced with many trials and, and tests, what do you mean count it joy when I'm faced with those things? He didn't say count it joy because of what they're going to birth in your life. He says when those things come into your life at that moment, count it as joy. I'm not there yet. How many of you when trouble comes in life, you just go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. I, I lost my job. Praise God, I lost my job. You ever been there? No, I thank God after the fact, after I've got a better job. I say, oh, praise God, praise, praise God for that job. Praise God, praise God. We don't say, isn't God good at the beginning? We say, isn't God good down the road? But when God allows you to lose that job, he was good. But because many times we don't have the spiritual discernment to see it because we've been bombarded with this gospel that says in order to be a blessing, it's got to be material. It's got to be prosperous. It's got to make you feel good. And that's not always the way God works. It's not that he camouflages them. It's that many times we don't see it for what it really is. Because when God does allow blessings of pain and heartache to come into our lives, he does so so that he can mold and shape our characters and many times, there's a certain aspect of our lives that he's trying to get in alignment with his divine will. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows the only way he can get us in alignment with him is to bring a blessing of pain. Look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, looking at verses 7 to 12. Look at what he says. And it will be given, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will what? We love that, don't we? We love that one, especially the prosperity for We love this one. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks does what? Receives. He who seeks finds to him who knocks, the door will be open. Now here's where things get tricky. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him what? A stone. Bread, something that is useful. A stone, useful, but not in this context. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him what? A snake. If you then, though you are evil, and that word evil doesn't mean sinister or bad. It means imperfect. If you then, who are imperfect, know how to give what kind of gifts? Good gifts to your children. How much more will your father, put in parentheses, who is perfect, know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? But here's the trick. Everything that is good for you does not always taste good too. When I was a young man growing up, I had 
one of the most severe cases of asthma known to man. And whenever I would have an attack, I would be so sick I couldn't eat. So I was always skinny as a child. And I would lose 10 to 15 pounds every time I had an attack. I would miss weeks of school, the whole nine yards. They used to have to rush me to the hospital to save my life. That's how bad I had asthma. Now I play tennis. But that's how bad it was. Those were the days doctors would come to your house and make house calls. And my doctor come, I loved her. I can't remember her name, but I had a crush on her, man. <laughs> I was nine years old, but I had a crush. Oh, she, doctor, oh, she's coming? Okay. I was so sick one day, I was laying on the couch of the family room, and I was in so much pain, I cried out to God, God, I want to die now. That's how much it hurt. Until she came. And she opened this bag and she pulled out this clear bottle of this pink stuff. This was before the days they had the inhalers. They had this liquid medicine. It was, it was, it was nasty. It was, probably, it was worse than okra, 10 times worse than okra. She said, Antoine, she called me Antoine. She could because I had a crush on her. She could call me whatever. It didn't matter. <laughs> Take two tablespoons of this. And after the first one, I went, oh, God, let me die. Let me die. She said, this is what's going to make you well. So she gave me the second tablespoon of it. I forced it down. In a couple of days, I was up. I was moving around. It didn't taste good. But it was good. And that's why many of us can't discern when God sends us blessings. Because they don't always taste good. We can recognize the blessing that feels good. We go, God is good. But what about when God blesses you with something that doesn't taste good? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So whatever God gives, it is good whether we like it or not. How many of you have missed out on a blessing, have become resentful toward God because he brought something into your life that caused you pain? I lost the job several years ago. I didn't really lose it. I gave it up. And I gave it up because I was being offered another job. Make a long story short, I did something I promised God I would never do. I said, Lord, I will never in ministry try to get a job on my own. I will always follow your lead. But I wanted to get out of New York City, so I contacted some folk in another state. I'm not going to tell you what state. And they said, sure, we've got a job here for you. We've got a church here for you. Long story short, I turned in my resignation. Got new bank accounts in that particular city and was ready to move. And then I get a phone call from the leader of that organization saying to me, I'm sorry, but we decided to hire my son instead. <laughs> when I lost that job, I was able to get my other job back. But what it did was it opened the door, and I'm going to go into all the details, for a job I have been praying for all my life. Lord, I want to work at a college, 
and I want to do radio at the same time. I want to teach, do radio. If I had gotten that other job, I would have moved there, and just six months later, that other call came, and I would have been stuck. But when it came into my life, I said, that's bad. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. Well, you know me. I'm just going to put it out there. When I got the news, I fell on my bed and cried like a baby. Nobody was home. It was just me, so, you know. <laughs> I cried like a baby. God, come on, man. I said, that's bad. God goes, that's a blessing, son. Stop looking at everything that hurts as being a curse, especially if it comes from God. And if your life has been given to him, Paul says, all things, God will work in, in all things to make them what? Good. They may have meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Who says amen today? You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, A Blessing in Disguise. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. Jesus is the light at the end of our tunnel. He's the light at the end of your tunnel. He's the light at the end of my tunnel, dear friends. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp shares comforting words from Jesus himself that we have hope even in the darkest of times as he shares his message, the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.